Discover community, find hope, and experience God. This is Discovering Hope with Pastor Paul Knight. You know, all of us uh, find a different pathway on how we encounter God the best. And uh, for, for Patrick, it's creation. And others of us find uh, that in sitting in solitude. It, it's music, all, all kinds of things. The, the, the key is to find that space where you worship Him and commit to Him the best. Uh, I, I want to start this morning's message with, with the passage that we're going to look at. And it, it, it's a familiar passage for some of us. And we, we talked about the same passage last week, but we're going to go a little bit deeper into it. And I want to remind us before we jump in. A proverb, th- th- these proverbs are written by Solomon, the third king of Israel. He was considered the wisest man in his day, if not the wisest man ever in history. Uh, a proverb is like a pithy statement, a short statement, a, a little statement you can grab onto that is a basic principle. It's not necessarily a promise, but it's a principle that if you follow it, it's generally true. Like, it, it'll work out for you. And and these proverbs that we're going to look at today have promises embedded in them from God. And, and so I want to remind us that, that uh, when truth comes to us, we get choices, right? We, we get a choice. When, when light shines on our heart or on our mind, we get the choice to, like, destroy the light. To say, that's absolutely not true. I won't believe that. And we fight against it. That's actually a foolish response or an evil response. The full, foolish response is, is when light comes onto you, you deflect it or you think of excuses why it won't work for you. In fact, that's where uh, some of you might want to wrestle today with uh, what we're going to talk about. Today's message is going to be very simple, not simplistic. There's some basic things in here that if you follow them will be profoundly beneficial for you, but they won't be easy. But they're simple to understand. You just get to choose. You get to have a foolish response. Well, yeah, no, not in our culture. That one. And, and you can deflect and push away. Or when light shines on your heart, you can receive it and say, Lord, help me do this. And th- that's what I'm hoping you respond to today is, is that you, you look at these passages and you say, God, help me to live like that. Some of you won't be able to start that tomorrow necessarily. You'll, you'll maybe start the, the first steps of it, but this, this may take you a little while to get into the whole flow of what we're talking about today. Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to start at verse number 5. Trust in the Lord. With all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him or submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. To trust the Lord with all your heart, lean on your own understanding, all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct or he will direct your paths or make your paths straight. Honor the Lord with your wealth and he will. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this day. I ask your blessing on the message, Father. Not just, not not just because I don't want to be embarrassed by doing poorly, but so that you are honored and so that we all can learn how to live in this world that you've called us to live. And so God, we thank you for this day and we ask you to guide us and direct us. 
in Jesus' name. I want to tell two quick stories. The first one is Christmas time. And, and some of you who are parents, you maybe will recognize this story. It's Christmas time and you're opening up a gift and you open up and your, and your kids are all lined up. They're all excited. You can see the joy and excitement on their face and you open up and you realize, this is my hammer. They gave me my hammer. But you don't say that out loud. You just, oh my goodness, thank you, you guys. I love this hammer. Because you do. You've used it a bunch, right? Or this is my skill saw or whatever. This is my tie. But you don't say that out loud because you don't want to, like, dash the joy in your kids. They're giving you gifts. This happened in my house. Actually, my son Daniel gave my son Tim a, a, a gift a, a couple Christmases ago. Not a couple Christmases ago. Several Christmases ago. And, and, and Tim opened it up, and Tim handled it beautiful. Tim looked and said, I love this T-shirt. And we recognized it. It was Tim's T-shirt. Daniel had gone into his dresser and wrapped up a gift for Tim. And that was kind of frequent in our house, especially with that middle son who uh, found our stuff very delightful to give. Uh, this next story happened yesterday. I I was doing an out-of-town wedding. uh, Actually, two days ago. I was doing an out-of-town wedding, and at the reception, I walked up to this individual to say hi to him, and I hadn't seen him for a long time. And his wife, who I didn't know, started talking about Hope Church. She said things, things like this, That church is so generous. Like, it's amazing. And she described this organization she belongs to and the group of our staff who came over and gave a gift to their organization. Some of you may know that during our Compassion First offerings, we distributed gifts. But she was describing this to the people in the circle. You would believe this. They, they, like a church gave away money to us. And it was like, this is astounding. And she kept talking to them like, I was pleasantly embarrassed for us. It, it was like really exciting. And she over over said several times. That, that, and then she talked about our care center. And the little Disneyland kind of girl, uh, Melly Morrow, uh, who, who works there. And, and just exudes joy and so kind and they're doing this project with the school that she's connected with. That church is so generous. Almost like that's unusual or weird. But here's the thing. Our staff absolutely love distributing those gifts that you guys all gave. But here's the thing. We were experiencing intense joy but we knew in the back of our minds they weren't our gifts. It wasn't our money. It was yours or his. And we were just distributing it on his behalf or on your behalf. And it was a blast. And the joy extends when people talk about this church that gives away stuff rather than just takes. One of my dreams, one of my dreams as a pastor in this community is that people, when they say the word church, will get a good taste in their mouth. Because of the way the church lives in the community. Trust the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor the Lord with your wealth. So here, here's what I want everybody to do. So we're going to talk about money today. And some of you are guests and you're thinking, Oh man, just what I didn't want to... Everybody do this. Would you just go... Just relax about it. Here's what I promise. This is a no guilt message. A no shame message. Here's what I'm hoping and praying. Is that we can walk towards, this is an invitation, that we can walk towards the principles of joy, generosity, and impact. 
that we can learn to walk towards them. I, 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 honestly, I don't want you to feel guilty. Uh, and, and, and so I'm just going to talk about four basic principles about how to get to the point where you're experiencing joy when you give. How, how to get to a point where you're, you're generous and where your gifts are making impact. And, and, and so do me a, a, a favor. Don't let yourself live in guilt. Maybe conviction. That's, that's from the Holy Spirit. Maybe the Holy Spirit will like, like push you along or, or call you to something today. And, and just be open to that. So here's the first principle. The first principle is, is clarify who you are and the value of things. It's, clarify who you are and the value of things. The, the, the clarification of who you are. Right? In, in Proverbs, a couple other Proverbs, in Proverbs 3, 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I want to be, personally, and I want us to be, I want to invite us to be people who trust in the Lord. Like sometimes in obedience, you step out into something and you think, I don't know how this is going to work out, but, I, but I'm going to trust in the Lord. Proverbs 3, 9-10, through 10, honor the Lord with your wealth. Clarify who you belong. And, and here's, here's something to think about. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and I know for some of you that's probably not true yet, but if you are, this is what is true. I belong to Christ. I belong to God. All that I am and all that I have is His. If I give from my abundance or if I give from my scarcity or if I give sacrificially, I'm giving something that's already His. That is so important for us to get a hold of. God calls us to manage and to steward, to take care of things on His behalf. Don't just surrender your eternity to Christ. Surrender your tomorrow and your the next day. And oh, yeah, yeah. oh there's cash in there. I wonder if Bonnie knows I have this. Surrender your wallet as well. All that you are and all that you have. Proverbs 22, 1 through 2. A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. Rich and poor. And it's, it's not about how, it's, it's not about like whether you think you're wealthy or not. Everything you have belongs to the Lord. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Clarify who you are. Matter of fact, you just might want to say right, right now, I do, I do, I do believe I belong to God. All that I am and all that I have is His. And then clarify the value of things. Here's the core principle. Things are nice. I like them. I do. Matter of fact, some of you who know me, if there's a thing, uh, I like two of them. Like I, that, that's just that's just like how twisted and broken. I, I don't like just one of something. I, I like several of not wives. I got the one, but that wasn't in my notes. I just slipped that in there. Uh, things are nice, but having things is not more important. Things are nice, but having things are not more important than my relationship with Christ. Having things are nice, but they're not more important than my relationship with my wife. 
having things are nice. And I don't think the Lord has a problem with us having things as long as we, as long as we don't make them more important than our families. Having things are nice. I don't think the Lord minds. But our money and our possessions are a tool that are meant to bring honor to Him. Do you know what the word honor means? The the word honor, the Hebrew word that's used here for honor, means to to give weight to. To to consider as weighty. It's it's like this. When when someone you honor begins to speak, you say to yourself, Oh, so-and-so is speaking. She has incredible weight in my heart. I pay attention to her because when she speaks, it's weighty for me. When he gives me wisdom, it's weighty for me because I've trusted him. Here's a question. Does God carry weight in how you handle your finances? Like when you're making financial decisions, to buy or not to buy? That is the question. Does his voice weigh in? In your heart, or do you just do it based on what you think is best? Trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understandings in all your ways. Acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. I want to read two passages of Scripture. Both, both of them speak of the tithe. Right? The tithe is one of those ways, one of those methods in the Old Testament that God gives His people to learn to fear him or to learn to revere him or to learn to give him weight or honor in our lives. It's a principle. The word tithe means 10%. Right? And then there's this comment about first fruits that we heard, honor the Lord with your wealth, the first fruits of your feet. First fruits were the people of Israel in celebration and festival. Think about that. When they gave their first fruit offerings, it was the first part of their crops that came out and it anticipated what was coming. It anticipated that God was going to provide more. But the first fruits, they gave them to the work of the kingdom. They gave them to God. And it was an act of celebration and usually done in festival. It's like when I've been to Ethiopia or some of the African countries and I've watched them do their offerings and they're like bringing their gifts up and they're dancing on the way up and they're celebrating. I'm like, I wish we gave like that. Because it's full of joy. Out of Honestly, in many of those places, out of what we would consider scarcity. But but in their giving, they're anticipating the provision of God. That's what they're doing. They're saying that. And, and so let me read from Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 22 and 23. This is again mentioned to the people of Israel in the Old Testament. Be sure to set aside a tenth or a tithe of all that your fields produce each year. Eat the tithe of your grain, new wine and olive oil, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks in the presence of the Lord your God at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name. So that, so that, so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. That's something about the giving of the tithe. At least in the Old Testament. Teaches his people to revere God. To honor him. When I clarify that I belong to him and he invites me to give in ridiculous ways to me, 
at just giving him what's already his. Here's the second passage. This will be familiar to many of you. It's Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 through 12. I, the Lord, do not change, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your, your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return to you? God answers, will a man, mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. He says, you are under curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your field will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land says the Lord Almighty. Provision. I'll open up floodgates. Protection. I'll prevent the pests. And and promotion. I will give you a good name. Honor the Lord with your wealth. However you're doing it, whatever principles you're leaning into, do you? Do you honor the Lord with your wealth? Oh, yeah, I would, but I'm not wealthy. Oh, yeah, I get that. I don't think it's honor the Lord if you're wealthy. It's honor the Lord with whatever wealth you have. Are you honoring the Lord? Maybe, maybe ask him. But I was thinking about the whole wealth thing. You know, in, in our culture, there's the whole, like, and I think it's fair to say that many people have this 1% group that we kind of like, oh, they're so selfish and stingy. Right? That, that we think the one percenters, right, they should step it up. Right? I, I, I was looking at, at some uh, a website about, the website's called How Rich Am I? Right? Did you know that if you have a $65,000 a year income, and I know some of you, that's, that's way more than you make. Some of you, it's, it's way less than what you make. But if you have a $65,000 a year income and you tithe 6500 10%, that would leave you managing for God $58,500. Wow. Did you know that would, that would put you in the 1% of the income producers in the world? If you have $58,500, that puts you in the 1% of the entire income of the world. Honor the Lord. With your wealth. Well, let's just cut it in half. If you make $32,500 a year, your tithe would be $3,250. That would leave you managing for God $29,250. Wow! Did you know that would put you in the top 5 percentile of the world income producers? Making $32,500 a year in the top 5%. Honor the Lord with your wealth. If you cut that in half, right? $16,250 annual income, a tithe of $1,625. That would leave you managing for God $14,625. Wow! You'd be at the top 14.2% of the income producers in the, United, in the world. 
5.2 times the world medium income. Honor the Lord with your wealth. In your sermon app, we have a little thing at, at the back. As a matter of fact, I have a bunch of addendums in the sermon notes this week. Uh, little little p- pieces that can help you. One is called the tithe challenge. Right? This is only for those of you who want to. Only for those of you who, who want to step into something. This is an opportunity for you to tithe. In, in the book of Malachi, it's the only place in the world where God says, test me in this. And so we offer you the tithe challenge. You can start tithing for three months at any point you want. Fill out the form online. There's a link in your notes. And uh, go there, fill it out. And we, not me, our, our bookkeeper will track your giving for three months. And if at any point during that three months you feel like God hasn't provided well for you, we'll return it. So that you can at least try it. Try for three months to, to do the tithe. Another addendum in there is, uh, there's a Michael Jr. clip in there that I put notes to. Uh, it's Michael Jr. talk about giving at Life Church. It's hilariously convicting. Uh, and then there's a little note of t- nine reasons why Bonnie and I give our tithes and offerings. I did a message uh, about 10, 15 years ago about why we do that, and I just copied the main points and put them in the notes. First principle is clarify who you are and the value of things. Here's principle number two. Set up set up a step-by-step, bit-by-bit financial pace. Set up a step, step-by-step, bit-by-bit financial pace. When I was younger, I had all these friends that would come to me and say, look, hey, I got this deal. I got this deal. If you invest in this, in 10 years, we will, like, bazillion times your income. And I'd go home to Bonnie and say, Bonnie, if we do this, it's like almost a guarantee if we invest in this drill bit in western North Dakota and they start drilling someday with this particular bit, we'll be rich. And for some reason, Bonnie never bought into it. And, and, and I, I can't think of the number of times that I was saved by get-rich schemes. Listen to these Proverbs. Proverbs thirteen eleven: Wealth gained hastily will dwindle. But whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Proverbs 10.4. Lazy hands make for, po- for, po- for, for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. Proverbs 12.11. Those who work their land will have an abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. Luke 16. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with little is dishonest with much. Set up a step-by-step, bit-by-bit plan. I'm going to be very personal here about how Bonnie and I have done this in our life. Uh, our, Our plan. I'm not saying this should be your plan. I'm just saying this was our plan. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Set up a plan. Whether you're a single person, college student, high school student, married, whatever level, whatever age you are, no matter how much you have, make sure you're working a plan that honors the Lord with your wealth. Bonnie and I have never had a plan to get rich. We honestly never have. That's never been one of my goals. Our, our plan has been to fa- be faithful and generous at whatever stage of life we've been at. Our plan has been to, as best we can, to provide for our family. Not what they wish they had, but hopefully what they need, and hopefully more. I've mentioned this a whole bunch when uh, I was 16 years old. Someone came up to me and said, you know, followers of Jesus Christ give 10% of their income. I had no idea that wasn't true. I had no idea that most followers of Jesus Christ don't. 
And then he showed me verses in the Bible, and I said, you know, I want to do that. And so I was working for about 50 bucks a week. And so every week I'd give five. And when Bonnie and I got married, we kept that principle, or more. And I'm so grateful today. I, 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 it, it's, I really am. We, like, I would never want to do it differently other than maybe give more. We, we decided that when we first got married that we would never spend more than we made. Except for on a house. Right? In, in earlier years, I guess, a car. But, but we, we, we made a deal that when we got our first credit card, and we, we didn't get a fir- our first credit card right away. Uh, we were denied year after year, uh, I guess, because we didn't have any money. But I remember our first card was a J.C. Penney's card, and we had to buy something in order to get it. And so we looked at the microwave that we wanted, and we went home and we waited several months. So we had the money so that when we put it on our card, we could pay off our card. That month, our, our, our principle or our plan was, if we never could, if we couldn't pay off our card at the end of the month, we'd cut it up. I'm not saying you have to do that, but it, it was one of those things that we realized we want to live within our means, and we did this thing. We, we made a budget, and every once in a while, Bonnie would tell me about it. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest; I hated it. I. If you look at my wallet, I still have receipts. I'm 62 years old. I still come home and turn in my receipts. And little by little, bit by bit, seeking to be faithful. I watched my friends buy stuff. I watched my family members buy stuff. I remember going to Bonnie and saying, Look, I think I need a motorcycle or a snowmobile or a boat and if we could just ease off on the credit card thing we could... I hated the plan for many years I felt like it was restrictive and it was on purpose I, I, I felt like I couldn't just go buy what I wanted and I couldn't I felt different than all my friends and I was the plan was not always easy. Matter of fact, in the early years, it was definitely not easy, but it, it shaped us. It shaped me. And what I want to do is invite you to consider a plan. To set a pace in your life, a little by little, bit by bit, financial pace. There's, there's this basic plan that has been given a bunch. It's, it's called the 10-10-80 plan. It's to tithe your first 10 to save the next 10 and live on 80. Many of you have heard of Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey uh, has a book called Total Money Makeover. I I love that book. I'll have a couple copies here in the next couple weeks. I've ordered some. And if if you want a copy, I'll I'll, I'll sell it to you. Or you can go online, or you can go to the addendum and look at his baby steps. I'm not necessarily saying you have to follow Dave's plan or Bonnie's plan. I'm saying develop a plan. I was online with a group that I belong to, and someone asked, what financial plans do you guys use or recommend to other people? And I, I said, Dave Ramsey. And, and the person came back, well, he's too strict. 
right? And literally, it was like sharks in a, in, in a water. It was just like everybody like beating up on Dave Ramsey. I said, well, you just asked, what do we use, right? And here, here's why I said, so how's your plan working? And nobody had a plan. So here, here's, here's what I'd say. Develop a plan so that, that you can be careful not to jump into get-rich schemes, so that you be careful about how you spend, and, and so that you can follow the principles of a little by little, because quick wealth dwindles. At least that's what the proverb says. You, you don't have to believe it. But there's something about the little by little, bit by bit. Here's the third principle. The third principle is there is power in the not yet and the no. There is power in the not yet and the no. I, I'm honest, I didn't like the power of that. I didn't like, and, and I agreed with our, our plan almost all my life, but I didn't like it. But there was power in that because it's taught me that I don't have to satisfy every desire that comes into my life. I don't have to address every passion I have in my life, and I don't have to meet it now. Tithing and giving generously has these basic principles that teach us no. We do this with our kids from the time they're very little. We teach them the blessing and the benefit of delayed gratification. See this bowl of ice cream? We're going to put it back in the bucket. And when you finish cleaning your room, you can have it. So that they know that there's certain things you do first. Listen to these Proverbs, chapter 20, verse 21. The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp down theirs. Proverbs 28, 25. The greedy stir up conflict, but those who trust in the Lord will prosper. 22.7, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. The wicked borrow and do not pay, but the righteous, the righteous give generously. It makes brilliant financial wisdom to say, not yet, because we don't have enough. The seduction of our culture is you have a credit card or a bunch of credit cards and you can get it now and never experience the provision of God. You just take care of it yourself. I wonder, I wonder how many of us, God would want to do the thing, provide the thing, if we would just wait for His provision. But instead we just run out and we buy it. Even when we don't have it. This is not, by the way, a matter of whether you have enough or not. This is not... This is, like, some, some of us, like sometimes your no should still be no... Just because God doesn't want you to have it, whether you can afford it or not. Because it doesn't fit in the honor Him category. Here, here's the final principle. By, by the way, your sense make the most sense when they are managed from a heart that is devoted to Christ. Your sense make the most sense when your sense are managed out of devotion to Christ. Here's the fourth principle. Experience the joy of being gloriously generous. Gloriously, that, that when you give, that you're giving glory to God. Right? That when you give, you're doing the kinds of things that make God smile. One person gives freely, Proverbs 11, 24, and 25, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. You know one of the things I've noticed? Generous people are often very happy and joyful. They are. You hardly ever see a grouchy, generous person. 
You know what else I've noticed? Generosity begets generosity. It seems like people who are generous, generosity follows them. My desire and hope and prayer is that we would have the freedom to give generously because we manage what belongs to God well. One of the values in our church is we are an extravagantly generous church. We want to be that. Extravagantly generous. We believe at the core of our being it's more blessed to give than receive. We have this prayer. Some of you know in 1997 our community was flooded. We have this prayer that God would flood our streets again with the hope and love of Jesus Christ. That the church would be so alive in the community. The church, not the buildings, the people. So alive, so full of joy, so generous that the people around the community would say, Oh my goodness, what's going on here? When you give your tithes and offerings, I every once in a while will remind the staff, I'll use the name Millie. Millie Wagendorf was a lady. She would sit back there years ago. She, she's passed away now. And, and uh, she, she was not a wealthy lady at all. But she gave regularly to the church. I would tell the staff over and over, we need to be really careful with Millie's gifts. Because we need to make sure that we're careful with what belongs to God. I received this letter the other day along with the largest gift our church has ever received. This is from a a person who doesn't attend here. Uh, She used to. She lives elsewhere now, but she accompanied it with this. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shifting shadow. Please accept this donation as Hope Church and staff have been such a blessing in developing who I am today. It was only a few years ago that it was hard to believe that any good can come from my brokenness. But after years of trying to fix stuff, and I won't say what it is, I finally called out, called out to God for help. And it was then that I was led to Hope Church. It was years ago now, that, but I remember some of Pastor Paul's series like Making Love Real, Embrace the Chaos, Prayer, Care, Share, Dare, Hang in There. I was awakened by Pastor Paul's energy, love, and passion for sharing God's word. God knew exactly what I needed to hear, his offer of love and restoration. After a lifetime of believing that it was the priest or the pastor's job to decipher the Bible, I listened to Pastor Keith share his daily scripture and prayer life. It was then that I started to thirst for and make time each morning to get to know God, his word, and his ways. Pastor Severson, I don't think she knew his first, he knew his first name, but talked about how God surrounds us with faith-filled friends that show up just at the right time to lean on and to learn from. And one day he was with me for that. Listening to and reading God's word provided for me the truth I needed to grow, to forgive. Hope's impact during my brokenness sparked and guided me to a deeper relationship I should have had with God, the greatest relationship I will ever have. And for that, I'll be forever grateful. I want to be a good steward to invest what God has given me for his good toward the causes that are close to his heart. It is abundantly clear that God cares about people. I love children, have a heart for those hurting. I would love to impact and bring more people to know God and his love, to feel comfortable opening and reading his word, to grow a relationship with him and feel what I'd feel. Very blessed. I see the hand of God at work at Hope. Please use this donation to continue spreading the love of Jesus, making known the good news, and bring glory to our Heavenly Father. Sincerely, God's daughter in Christ, thankful, grateful, blessed, and loved.
no matter what size the gift is. I believe that God wants to take whatever we offer and put joy within us and generosity from us and create impact in His name. So look at those principles and see how God would train you and teach you. Lord bless you.